Hey, welcome to the Cost of Goods Told podcast. I'm Darren Lafferty, joined with Chef Connor. And special guest this week is Paul Miller from Great Plate. Paul, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Happy to be here. And you are, you're awesome. You drove all the way from Katy to be with us here at Beavers on Westheimer. <laughs> My dad calls it San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> so we appreciate you coming. We know how busy you are. Uh, lots of things, lots of irons in the fire for you and lots of fires too. So thanks for putting up with us and sitting down and visiting. Um, let's start off a little bit. Uh, for those who live under a rock, they don't know who Paul <laughs> Miller is. Give us just a little bit, just a brief cliff notes of who Paul Miller is and where you came from. Uh, okay, I'm going to go back a little ways. Uh, <laughs> uh, grew up, my father was in the military, born in uh, Augsburg, Germany. Uh, moved around, military brat for a little while. Army? Landed, say again? Army? Army, yes, okay. Army. Um, Pershing, my father was Pershing Missile Command. Uh, landed in Oklahoma when my father went into the oil business and lived there for the majority of my high school career. Uh, played football and wrestled at Purdue University. Way too cold in the north, so <laughs> tried to get the hell out of there as fast as I... Especially in those little wrestling uniforms. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> possibly could. Big fan of the Big Ten, but during oh, the yeah. summer. Um, then I moved down to... Uh, my first job was with uh, Pappas Organization. Moved down to Dallas, worked for them for a little while. Uh, opened all the restaurants out in Atlanta. Uh, came back to Houston when I had my first child. Um, gosh, worked for Grand Lux Cafe, worked for McCormick and Schmicks. Uh, decided in 2010 that I wanted to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. So I bought a little Italian restaurant called Gina's Italian Bistro. Okay. Named it the Union Kitchen. Uh, the Union Kitchen is uh, sort of near and dear to my heart because when, when I was playing ball at Purdue, uh, you, you, when you're on scholarship, you, you, you're fed 24 hours a day. You know, you can pretty much go and you eat. You Graze. Know, yeah, 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 exactly. Right. They, they, you know, well, depending on defensive backs didn't eat quite as much as defensive <laughs> linemen did. But, um, but uh, you went to the student union. And uh, what we would do is, you know, me and my buddies would say, all right, you know, what, do you, what are we going to do tonight? I don't know. Let's just go meet at the union kitchen. Yeah. And then we'd go get something to eat. And we'd sit cool. around and talk and say, all right, well, we're going to this party or we're going to do whatever. And... Um, that's uh, that's where the you know that's kind of where the name you know uh, came from. My, now my grandfather, who worked on a railroad for his entire career, uh, was a union man and thinks it's union, right? Dang the union kitchen, him. and he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. "Nice job." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, Grandpa. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah, whatever. yeah. Don't yeah, shut whatever. him down. Don't, he's <laughs> earned it, right? He's earned at, it. at 97 years old. I'm not going to shut oh, him down. Man. So it's uh, it's good. Well, I was going to say he's earned the right to 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 believe that, right? Absolutely. And, and after your quick run through, which was probably more painful than it than it sounded, <laughs> you've earned some stripes along the way too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ben, Ben, you know, we talked about this earlier. Learn what to do. Learn what not to do in a lot of situations. And, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I can't, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's, of, of any of the places that I worked or any of the periods of time or, or you know, got, go, going through a divorce or, you know, having a, having a, a four-year-old at, at, mm. th at 40, you know, something years old. Uh, I, I, there's nothing <laughs> I would, something. yeah, there's yeah. nothing I would change. You know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's all, it's all made me the kind of the person that I am. And, and uh, I think a lot of that drives, you know, drives the company. It's a, it's a. It's a family. It's a family unit. So it's 
Well, and it sounds like it's all led up to some very special moments, right? And we'll talk about some of those, um, you know, you've, you have your own day here in the city of Houston. You know, some people just some people just get a key to the city. You actually have your own day. Uh, I asked if I could actually uh, on January thirteenth. Can I can I run can I run stop signs? Like, like, like what, what does this mean? What can I what can I do? And you're like, uh, don't get too cocky. Right. No tolls. How about that? Like, I don't have yeah, to pay the tolls on my day. Maybe I'll, yeah, I get that four dollars and seventy five cents yeah. back yes. off off West Park. Yeah, I'll take Nailed it. it. Yeah. And while there are many many more accolades, right? that we could talk about uh, it just in my mind it's hard to mention them all but you guys have really paved the way you and your wife Doris have paved the way for the Houston scene in terms of providing some really great restaurants which um, you know in, in a scene like Houston where there's six million plus people and there's lots of restaurants coming and going you guys seem to have not that you didn't have any challenges along the way but you seem to have weathered the storm and you're finding a formula that works for you guys, uh, which is not necessarily you know that that restaurant that's sitting on the corner of I-10 or a, fit, a busy busy restaurant, uh, but it's more ingrained in the community. Mm-hmm. It's family friendly, and um, and the menu caters to those family environments as well. Can you talk a little bit about that, the Union Kitchen, and maybe some of your Jack's Grill, the concepts, and how they've how they you think they fit in those side those communities? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, part of when I when I opened the Union Kitchen, uh, the Tuck we we call it Tuck T U K the Union Kitchen. When I opened Tuck One over on Bel Air, I literally went to every single guest that walked in and said, "What do you want? You know, what would you like to see here?" Right? I'm, I'm taking over uh, an established Italian restaurant that had been there for ten plus years, and I think it was even called Nick's before that, and it was mm-hmm. Bubby Butera's before that. So it had been so it was it a third been or a, fourth, third or fourth generation, yeah, at least, yeah. at least, if not if not more. But it was a it was an Italian iteration gotcha. uh, every step of the way, and it, it, you know it had gotten tired, and it was it was literally the wine glass that you filled all the way to the top. <laughs> it was the uh, Levantis, you okay. know. It was it was you came with everything came with the salad or soup. Right. Um, you got the breadsticks on the table. You got you know it was it was that it was that warm kind of comfort style uh, of of Italian food. You know the lasagna was good. Um, the, the pistachio chicken still on the menu for God's sake. <laughs> um, so there were a lot of things that they did really well. But when I asked of the neighborhood, what do you want? They would say, I want salads i want sandwiches i want you know uh, a, a good burger I, I want at dinner i want a steak and a nice piece of fish mm-hmm. i want you know stuff that they weren't doing at the time right so we just changed it we literally shut down one night uh i want to say we closed down for two days and it was a monday and tuesday moved in the bar because i had gotten a full liquor license they didn't they only had beer and wine before that moved in a bar um, bought some new tables and chairs and opened back up two days later with this brand new menu that maybe had <laughs> 20 items on it. And people were like, oh my gosh, uh, this is, this is amazing. And uh, here's a, here's a story. Uh, I haven't, I haven't told before. I might get a little emotional about. Um, so we're, uh, uh, there was a table of ladies over in the corner and I said, I went over and talked to him and I said, well, you know, what would you guys like? Oh, well, we want gluten-free or we want uh, <laughs> I, it was it was it was got you know 10 years ago right when this stuff first got started and I'm like oh shit, shoot what do I do so I ran across the street to Whole Foods and I bought probably $20 worth of gluten-free pizza shells pastas uh, basically anything I could find on that row <laughs> that you know the, 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 yeah, yeah. At, 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 at Whole Foods that used to be like 
10 feet and now it's yeah. you know a quarter of the store <laughs> and i came back and the woman and we, we made some we made some really cool dishes and the woman was the um she was the uh, uh she headed up all the emails for the west U and Southside place young mothers wow. group okay man you want to talk about I want to say one email that made a huge difference. Then all of a sudden, we changed the concept, changed the name, literally said we'll do whatever we can for the guest, and then it was busy. From that point forward, it was just busy. So Well, you really endeared yourself to that neighborhood by doing that, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that that's continued on as you've expanded. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, sorry, sorry, I got a little emotional. There. No, no, that's, no, that's uh, great. It's no, I, you know, I, and I think to Connor's point, too, so obviously, right, in, in, in the service industry, which is exactly what the restaurant industry is, a service industry, mm -hmm. when a customer asks you, can you do something, if, you, if you're in a national or regional chain and you have a process for everything, right, you just say, well, I'm sorry, man, we don't offer that here. Mm -hmm. But when you're an independent restaurant and your entire livelihood depends on those customers sitting their butts in the seats, eating, and more importantly, returning, and Whole Foods is across the street, can you give me six minutes? I'm going to run across the street. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we can do that. Right? I'm playing Frogger. I'm playing Frogger on <laughs> Bel Boulevard. Yeah, trying not to get run over. But so, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, without adding words to you, I'm going to read between the lines and guess that, you know, when you have your first concept, and you've come through some, the chains, right? You've come through the big chains. You've had great training. You've had great processes and procedures. You know every now and then there's, you just don't know what the customer is. That could really pay off, mm -hmm. right? And so in those, that first six months, you'll do whatever you can. Yeah. It sounds like you did the right thing. Yeah. Right? Obviously, and you know that now. But. Wasn't, even, wasn't even thinking about it and honestly didn't even know that story. I just knew we got busy. Yeah. Until a few months later, and she's like, "Oh, hey, I never did forward you that email that we sent." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Right. And then, you know, here we are, ten years, eleven years later, and uh, things are going. We're going that's, strong. That's a so, great upside lesson, right there. Yeah, really cool. What were some of the challenges initially with owning your own restaurant, and whether that be staffing, whether it be training, whether it be food design, food menu management, right? All those things. As as a new business owner not just someone who's vested in a business as a manager or a GM, as, a, as an owner. How'd you take that all in? I mean, how do you weigh those things out and still get sleep at night? Uh, man, I can, I can tell you, um, I think a lot of your listeners have been through this before. When you're in an apartment and something happens, everything costs about a hundred bucks, <laughs> right? You, you, yeah. you, the faucet, something, the faucet leak, yeah. right? It's not your place. Right, you call you call a plumber. It's a hundred bucks. Yeah. Uh, you want to get an electrical outlet added? Call somebody up. It's a hundred bucks. You buy a house. It's a thousand bucks. Everything you do, basically everything you do, costs a thousand bucks. Right? You want right. to have somebody come out and look at expanding your patio, just for bids and and drawings. It's a thousand bucks. Right? So you got all this stuff. When you're running a restaurant for somebody else, you don't look at that as closely. Right. When it's you and you're the one who's writing the check and it's your butt that's on the bottom line, you're looking at every single penny that walks out of the restaurant. And you know, I can tell you, I can tell you how much my uh, fork costs. I can tell you how much my knife costs because it's different. Yeah. It's $2.13 for a fork, but it's $5.75 for a knife. So if you're going to throw something away, if you're talking to a server, you're going to throw something away, <laughs> don't throw away my damn knife. <laughs> throw the fork away first. Yeah, right. Yeah. right? Um, we use Riddell wine glasses. I used to use Libby. A Libby wine glass was about $4. Right. A Riddell glass is about 9 
right? So, and when you think about, and, and this is the only reason the Riddell wine glass is nine is because we buy thousands and thousands of them at a time. Right. That Riddell wine glass for the average person to go to the store and buy is probably closer to 25, right? So there's things like that. The, um, the, one, that, the one that really struck me as, uh, as the most shocking was, <clears throat> so I had been with Pappas, I had been with Cheesecake Factory, I had been with McCormick and Schmicks, I'm with these big companies, and whenever something went wrong or whenever I needed something, I called somebody. And not only did I call somebody, I typically mm-hmm. went to the phone system and dialed extension 27, <laughs> you know, 32 or whatever some, some it was, corporate, right? Some yeah, line, so, right? Yeah, some corporate setup, and somebody would answer, and I'd tell them what they need, and that was literally the end of it. Yeah. I might write it in the red book at the end of the night that I took care of this or whatever else, and it was just you came back in two days later, and magically, mysteriously, <laughs> it's done. <laughs> You buy your own place. You need a permit. It's on you. That's you. Yeah. You, uh, you know, you want to change out a chair. You know, it's 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 a fifty-seven dollar chair, but you got to multiply that by two hundred chairs in the restaurant, or you want to cover a chair. You got a couple torn seats, but the, when you when you recover one chair, it's a little bit different color, so you might as well go ahead and recover all of them. Right. Well, that's nine dollars a chair. Nine dollars times the two hundred chairs that I have in the building. <laughs> holy crap! Right. <laughs> yeah. That's not that's not just repairing a chair. So. Um, well, your buying power is different too, even just with your product. If you run out of something, you call them up, and it's like, hey, I need it next morning you know when you're part of those bigger establishments you know they're there first thing you know with your fish or your meat or whatever yep. you need when you're smaller it's like well you can drive out and come pick it up you know we'll That's, have it at you know and it's just like oh man we'll call, it's, we'll it's, calls over. i was we'll gonna say over, yeah. it's funny that you say that i know you're a chef because i i, I guarantee you probably ran something on a Friday night, and it, it was more popular than you thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah. Then all of a sudden, you come walking back in. You're like, oh, man, I need snapper, or I need I need <laughs> short rib, or I need whatever it is. And you call your guy, and they're like, yeah, sure, I'll leave it at Will Call for you. Yeah. But I, I can't. I can't leave, I can't leave you, right. know? <laughs> you know? Now, now fortunately, with a, you know, with a few more restaurants, it's, nah, I I need you to draw. I need you to bring yeah. it, bring it yeah. out here, and they're like, "Okay, I'll take care of it for you." Sure. So, but but to your point, you know, when you have one unit, right? When you start out with one unit, even the cost of two hundred chairs, five bucks a chair, it's a lot of money. It's a thousand bucks. When you have seven concepts, you know, uh, when you have seven units and multiple concepts, I can't imagine how you even sleep at night. I mean, you have to put good people in place, obviously, to help take some of that responsibility off your plate, but. Um, it's got to be uh, exhilarating and also a little. It creates maybe a few gray hairs here and there. Uh, with it, not not as many as not as many gray hairs as I see in that beard over Touché, across the table. <laughs> <laughs> but, this is wisdom. Though. This is wisdom. <laughs> it is. Um, but you know, the, the biggest thing for me is I have a COO. Uh, his name's Doug Wilson. Uh, absolute rock star. Worked with him for years. He is a doer. Um, if I call him up and I were to say today, I really need for this to happen, he's just going to make it happen. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't care how. He might go rent a truck and move this and do that. He's, he's just going to make it happen, and that's why he's COO. And I've got another guy um, that I worked with for a long time at, at Grand Lux, uh, and I hired him over, and he's my CFO. And he's the guy that will come along behind, and he'll say – um, hey man, uh, you need to pull twenty thousand dollars over to the management account because you've got payroll coming up, or right. you've got general maintenance coming up, or right. you've got insurance coming up, or you've got something like that. So you know, his name's Craig Lindstrom, and you know it's 
it's if you don't if you don't s- surround yourself and I'm going to say if you're not smart enough to surround yourself <laughs> with good people right off the bat uh, you're going to you're going to you're going to regret it years later. I, I I tried to hire Doug when I bought Tuck One um, when I right right off the bat okay. and I couldn't afford him. He was working for uh, uh, Tommy Bahamas up in the woodlands, and I brought him in, and I told him what we were doing, and I really wanted him to come work for us, but he had a family, and I knew he had things to take care of, and at the time, I just couldn't afford him. And I'm like, all right, table this conversation. I'm going to come back to you. So about maybe six, eight months later, when the restaurant was doing great, I came back. I said, hey, dude, we're getting ready to do number two. I want to bring you on board. Same thing happened with Craig. I said, you know, here's – Here's my plan. You know, here's the way I hope it, I hope it works out. And uh, I want you to come work for us. Um, here's what I can offer, uh, to which I think he might have giggled at the time. <laughs> and, uh, and then once we got uh, Tuck 2 open, the, our memorial location, um, then I went back to him and said, hey, here's what I can offer now. And I brought him on as a GM, um, and he freaking loved it. And I, I, I want to say – so we did Tuck 3, which is Kingwood, and then probably right about the time we were rolling into Ella, which is Tuck 4, is when I said, all right, I, I'm able to pull you out, and I want, you know, I'm going to give you guys some titles, and I really need your help on a day-to-day basis, as opposed to you're an operator over here, you're an operator over here, now you're still operators, you're still over the guys, but I need you... I need you helping me. I need you right. side by side. Right. Mm-hmm. And then um, about that time, we bought Jack's Grill, uh, which was without a doubt one of the best things that that we ever did. It's a great um, concept, man. I, I we when we bought it, uh, the market in Houston was in shambles. Hmm. And I didn't realize it at the time because you know, well, I shouldn't say it was in shambles. It was getting ready to be in shambles. <laughs> what year was that? Oh gosh, uh, five. Five years ago now. Okay. Right? So 13, 14. Yeah. Right. We started yeah. talking about it. Okay. So if you think about uh, the the oil industry is a mess, but it hits Houston last. And when we bought it, it was counter service, burgers and Tex-Mex, $5.25 for a half pound, <laughs> for a half pound burger. I just liked the concept. Yeah. Right? I thought it was great. Uh, super fresh, super high quality. Everything's awesome. Open kitchen. Open you kitchen. See going on, you walk yeah. in, you're like, hey, Jose, hey, hey, Virgilio, yeah. hey, Tito. I mean, it's Rosa, uh, Marta. You know, you start going, it's like they, they know everybody in the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize that we were getting ready to hit this skid where people, you know, when, when things go bad, people don't stop eating out because your significant other doesn't just start cooking. <laughs> like they don't, <laughs> you know. It's like when things are really, really crappy, your wife or husband or whomever doesn't become a chef. You know, right. it's like you're still going out to eat. You're just not spending as much money. Sure. So instead of going out and spending thirty bucks a person and buying that hundred dollar bottle of wine, they were spending fifteen dollars a person and buying a twenty dollar bottle of wine. So we saw our PPA and overall sales at the Union Kitchens drop significantly. But right about the time that we picked up the Jack's Grills, we saw their sales take this huge jump, right? So I'm 
patting myself on the back, thinking mm. I'm brilliant, right? It's our buying power. We changed some of the ingredients. <laughs> like, everything's going great. Look at me. Look yeah, at look at me. me. Right? I'm so smart. <laughs> and in the overall scheme of things, uh, when we sat back and evaluated the, the financial data, you know, in the, in the two or three months subsequent to that, the headcounts were up. Yeah. You know, people were people were coming over there. The to-go sales were up. Um, people could, that, that couldn't afford or that weren't willing to go to, say, a Union Kitchen or some of these full-service restaurants, and they didn't want to pay the tip, and they didn't want to, you know, go through the experience of the bottle of wine, were going to Jack's Grill. Yeah. And they were buying the $5.25 burger and adding fries and a drink for $4 and, you know, maybe leaving a dollar tip, which is great. I'm not taking a shot at that at all, yeah. you know, and, and you get out of the restaurant for 10 bucks mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, 25 or 30 sure. at another, you know, at another restaurant, whether it's our concept or somebody else's. So, and a lot of our, you know, a lot of my contemporaries saw that and we just happened to position ourselves at the time uh, really well. And it's worked out great. And, and honestly, we've not seen a drop, you know, those, when that, when those headcounts pop up and they see the quality at that price point that you can get, we do a one pound trout with uh, lemon cream sauce with uh, crawfish for $14 and 95 cents. Uh, uh, we do a steak night for fifteen ninety nine, and it comes with a potato with all the fixings, wow. a salad and a ribeye. What night is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm getting hungry. Yeah. And you have live music. I and mean, I've do. been over, we've had Zydeco music. There's been other types of music. I mean, it's a great family joint. Yeah. And, and, and that's, the food's phenomenal. Yeah, and, and that's, um, you know, and that's the biggest thing. And my, my dad talks about that all the time. And he says, you know, you can do, there's a lot of things that you can do. There's a lot of mistakes you can make. But the one mistake you cannot make is never, never uh, sacrifice quality. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if, if, if when people come in and they eat something, you know, it, it, it might not be hot. It might take too long. Your server might be a moron and they're outside smoking <laughs> when they should be delivering the food. It, it happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah, right. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. But if the food is good quality, and, and, and again, I learned that from Pappas also, then, um, then, then you're going to do, do well. You're gonna be successful. I so. agree. I agree. I, I, and I'm that kind of diner, right? If the food is, the food is pretty good, and the service is terrible, I'm not going back. But if the food's really good, and the service is mediocre, I'm going back. I mean, it's just you know, it's a whole dining experience for me. But the food speaks, you know, by itself. Yeah. Now, now, I, I mean, I'm sort of partial to service too. So if the food's mediocre, but the service is outstanding. I'm back. You got me. Yeah. Well, Someone you, knows my name. I was you know, going to say, you're, you're, you're like me. I, my guess is there's probably 10 restaurants in town, if not more than that, that you can walk in and they're going to, your favorite server is probably going to walk up and be like, hey, Darren, what's up? Like, what are we here? They call them knowledge Sit in my section, right? <laughs> you know, you know or, so, or something like that. And, and I, you know, it's, it's when you find those, and, and this is something that we didn't even, that we didn't even really discuss, uh, you know, earlier. What what I'm what I'm seeing and it's breaking my heart right now is because there are so many restaurants in Houston, your talent pool mm-hmm. is getting so diluted. Yeah. So back in the day, you would have an exec chef and two sous chefs that were kick ass, and then you probably had another guy that wanted to be a sous chef and had the had the qualifications to chomping do it. At the bits. Yeah, chomping at the bit to get up there, yeah. but but couldn't. And, you know, my dad and I have this conversation all the time because he's in the oil business. People move to Houston to, to come into the oil business. People move to Houston to build houses. People move to Houston to go work on the ship channel. People move to Houston for a, a heck of a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. They don't move here for the hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. 
So what's happening is you're taking all these people that are moving to town and buying the two hundred to five hundred thousand dollar houses. Those are your customers. Those are your guests. But you don't have more servers. So when I was a server uh, and bartender, we probably had thirty people on our staff that I would consider rock stars. I mean, and true rock stars, right. like could handle more tables than anybody else. Could just didn't get frustrated. Every single guest left and just loved them. And they were like, I'm coming back and sitting in his section. <laughs> now, at our restaurants, if we have, if I've got five rock star servers, if I've got two or three rock star cooks, obviously we have executive chefs at all the yeah. restaurants. We got sous chefs at all the restaurants. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm ecstatic. And I'm talking, to my, I'm talking to my other contemporaries and they're like, man. I wish I had that. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, they're like, "Don't you go talk to my guys? Yeah, <laughs> Don't yeah. you go back in the kitchen? Or stay out of, stay out of my establishment." I mean, like yeah. the Woodlands is having such an issue with that that they have a free bus line that that is you know pulling people from all over Houston because okay. everybody needs staff out that ways. And I mean, we start talking about the suburbs. We start talking about how far Houston has started to reach. You know, and um, for a lot of the listeners, we had a huge conversation before before this podcast. But we were talking about you know we'll use Bucky's as an example, who is. Paying Paying fifteen dollars an hour and taking two weeks vacation you know, and you know yeah and I mean all you got to do is say welcome Bucky's and boop you know <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, like, that, that's what you got to do and I mean well, those are the things that now because you know th- there are establishments like that and they're paying these wages it is it is harder to compete with it and keep the price point where the customers are comfortable yeah, yeah. you know as much as I'd like to argue against that by saying well one's retail sort of driven and one's not it's still a talent pool right? yeah. they're still pulling from from from, from millennials and then after the millennials and people have a different idea about the working environment should be mm-hmm. right and so yeah I, I, we call it we call it competition so direct competition or indirect competition sure so Chick Fil A is indirect competition sure sure those those guys man I try to get them to mm-hmm. to say to not say my pleasure I'll, <laughs> I I like I don't I don't know the menu my wife will send me over and she'll like want something crazy my <laughs> my best friend's son was working there and I'm jacking with him in the window <laughs> right I'm just trying to I'm trying to break this kid and uh, and it won't do it you know and 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 like I said that that's indirect competition because it's not full service and it's not even really it's not even Jack's grill because you know they do what they do but they're out there yeah. and they're building more of them and they're taking my talent pool. <laughs> you know, they're, they're taking those guys that we need. It's so. funny to hear you say my talent pool because the business that you're in, you own it, right? You own that business. And I don't mean from a paper standpoint, you literally own it. It's the heart and soul of what you do day in and day out. And so uh, we're going to talk more about that. Let's take a quick break real quick. Give a shout out to our sponsor, Duke's Premium Meats. Uh, and we're here at Beavers. Love we'll you, Duke. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around for more. Paul Miller from Great Plate. We'll be right back. Duke's Premium Meats Home Delivery is your one-stop shop for premium quality meats delivered right to your doorstep. Delivering all over the United States, Duke's Premium Meats offers you the best in quality by personally working closely with local ranchers and butchers. Duke's Premium Meats offers everything from fillets and lobster tails to heart-shaped ribeyes to Texas-raised Wagyu brisket. Get amazing meat delivered right to your door by using Duke's Premium Meats. Visit their site at www.dukespremiummeats.com. Welcome back to the Cost of Goods Told podcast. We're going into part two. Uh, Paul, I know we kind of covered a lot of ground in part one. Uh, I did want to jump back just a little bit. Um, We were talking about the first unit that you had bought. 
Um, and I think one of the things that surprised me was when you made the statement, okay, six months in, we were talking about unit number two. Now, when you left kind of the, the corporate side or you know, we'll call it the bigger restaurant side of things and, and bought your first restaurant, was that the game plan or was this something that just kind of came up because of the success of unit number one? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, right. Oh, uh, both. You. <laughs> you know, um, when if you look at the companies that I had worked for, they're all multiple units. Right. And having conversations with, you know, my mentors at each particular company, everything had to do with volume. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think I, I think I, I'm trying to think of an industry where that's not the case. I mean, it's it's. If I'm buying a if I'm buying a frisbee to give away to uh, like uh, for the Fourth of July, uh, we're just opening on we're getting ready to be open on um, uh, the boardwalk up in Town Lake. So I don't think we're going to be open for the Fourth of July. We're going to have a tent out front of the restaurant, and I bought uh, frisbees to give away to people that are walking by. It's got our logo on it. They're really cool. Well, if you buy fifty of them. You're gonna pay seven bucks a frisbee. Right. If you buy fifteen hundred, you pay about forty-five cents <laughs> a, a frisbee, right? right? You know, so, and that's and that's about where we are. You know, we bought fifteen hundred of them. We bought some beach balls. We did some stuff like that, and they're all giveaways. So, as you think about volume and buying power, and you know, how do I get the price of my liquor down and my wine down and, and food and all these things? You got to think multiple units. Mm -hmm. Now, and, and I'm not saying that that we were going to open the second unit at six months, but we were sure talking about it. Yeah. And what really happened to me was, um, so I was the mayor of the floor. You know, I'm, I'm there every day, all day. I'm, you know, shaking babies and kissing hands and, you know, doing all, all right. You know, you're doing all, you're doing all that shaking stuff. Babies, you know, yeah, right? yeah, I get you in trouble nowadays. Um, but, you know, you're doing all those things out on the floor and you're talking to guests and all this. And, and I actually called the first GM I ever had. Um, his name's Jack Gibbons, and he's now the president of Front Burner, which is whiskey cake, velvet mm -hmm. taco, 69 vines. They've got a bunch of different concepts. And I said, hey, man. You know, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm, I feel good about it. We're putting some money in the bank. And he's like, you're putting money in the bank after the first six months? Yeah. I was like, oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nice job, right? Yeah. So I said, I said we're, we're, we're thinking about number two. We don't know where it's going to be. Um, I'm just, I, I want to get my head wrapped around it before we start going that direction. And he goes, all right. He goes, are people coming to the restaurant to see you or are they coming to the restaurant to, to have your food? I'm like, oh, well, I think they're, I mean, I think they're coming to see me, right? I'm the guy. I'm the face. And he goes, all right, you got to get out of there. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he says, if people are coming to the restaurant to see you, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. If people are coming to the restaurant because your food is fantastic and your service is great and they like your manager, they like your bartender or whatever it was, that's where you want to be. Right. So he goes, you right now need to get out of there during service. Hmm. And he goes, I'm not saying vacate the restaurant because yeah. you're there at open, you're placing the orders, you're making sure the kitchen's looking good, you're taking the trash out, you're cleaning the toilets, you know, you're doing all the stuff that an owner does. But he said, he said during service, he goes from 11 to 2 and from probably about 5 to maybe 7 or 8, he goes, you need to be gone. Yeah, You need to go do something else, go look for a location, do what you're going to do, and then come back in at the end of the night and make sure your, you know, your squad's not running crazy. He said, but they need to, the guest needs to be coming to, to eat your food and see your restaurant and see your staff. And man, it was hard. It's harder than you think. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, I, you know, I've never not been there for lunch. 
So you walk out of you walk out at eleven o'clock, and you're like, okay, see ya. <laughs> you, I'll see you in two hours. <laughs> I know, you know? You, I know you're a family guy. So mm-hmm. do you remember the first maybe couple of times you had to drop any of your kids off at daycare? How hard that was to leave them in a new spot. Maybe they're crying out for daddy, oh baby. <laughs> oh yeah. Is that what it felt like when you were leaving the restaurant? Almost, almost exactly what it felt like. I mean, I mean to to a t. That's you. I've never owned a restaurant, but I own a kid, and yeah. I know how painful that <laughs> was. Yep. To, uh, you, you hit the nail on the head, you know. And and I've I've got a four year old. I've got a four year old that we took to mommy's day out last, mm-hmm. just last year. And you turn around and you go walking down that hall and it echoes. <laughs> no, don't leave me here. That's <laughs> 260 know, pounds to start crying right when you get to the yeah, car. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and um, so you know it was it was crazy, but uh, but but what I realized is I got a good staff. You know, they they do a good job. They genuinely cared about my guests that were our guests that were coming in. They they cared about uh, taking care of everybody and and things like that. So when I came back at two o'clock and said, hey, how'd the shift go? Because back then, 10 years ago, it was too expensive for me to have video cameras all over the place. Right, right, uh, right. I had Focus, but Focus didn't have the app on your phone right. where I could check sales. Yeah. So I'm literally going, God, did I do $200? Did I do $500? <laughs> did I do 1000 You know, Because you can't right. go to the computer and check it. So right. um, it, was, uh, it was nerve-wracking. Uh, but now uh, I've got good guys. I've got good guys that I trust. And you know our GM out in out in Cyprus is going to do a great job, and I've already got the GMs for both the Jacks and the Union Kitchen that are going to Katie. I bet, and uh, and they're going to do a great job, and they're on board to help out in Cyprus. So um, you know, Doug and Craig are at the restaurant every day. So <laughs> it's it's you know having those people around definitely definitely takes the pressure off, but it doesn't change the expectation as far as service is concerned. Sure. So, so, so and it sounds like it was great advice from, the, from your buddy, right, who, who you'd work for. Because it, it, when, when I listen to that, <clears throat> excuse me, when I listen to that, I hear him telling you directly, you're stifling your own growth mm-hmm. by becoming the mayor of your restaurant. Yep. Because then if, if everyone comes to see you, you can never not be there. And if you're not there, how are you going to grow? Right? So, that, that is ex- that, that's exactly right. And, and he had several examples that he that he gave me while we were talking about it of other restaurants around the country and i mean this guy he's he's he'd been around for a while and he even talked about you know he even talked about um the the reason he left pappas you know with with pappas they had what they called concept leaders Mm -hmm. where you were a general manager in one restaurant and then you would go kind of coach general managers in three other restaurants sure but if your last name's not pappas (laughs) <laughs> you're not going to own, you're not going to have a good you know, a glass big, ceiling there. Yeah, right. a, a right. big ownership stake in the company. Now, what Tillman has done, and part of the way that he's gotten such such longevity out of a lot of his guys is that's a publicly traded company. You got stock. Yeah. You can be, hell, I'm an owner. You know, I, I don't even work for him and I've got stock. Right. <laughs> you know, so, so he can do different things in that company that, say, a privately held company can't do same thing with cheesecake factory they called it uh, i think cake steak so when you became a gm and you worked for them for a certain period of time they gave you a block of they gave you a block of stock right and you know depending on when you got it sometimes you saw a split sometimes you didn't sometimes it was worth a lot sometimes it was worth a little mm-hmm. and um you know we're we're 10 years old and we've got by the end of this year we'll have 10 restaurants 
So, um, you know, we feel like we're going at a pretty decent pace and, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens in the future. He said pretty decent, like so <laughs> casually. Yeah. Like, you know how many guys are like freaking slamming on their on their speakers right now? Like, come on, man. That's that's a fantastic pace. Yeah. We're, but we're what, what, you've got a couple of concepts that are not brick and mortar. Can you, can you talk a little bit about? Yeah. Um, and are so, they new? Have they always been around? I mean... Uh, sort of. Okay. Uh, there, you know, you get a you're um you're a chef. You know, you, you guys have both been in the kitchens for mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, you get you get an idea in your head <laughs> about the fact that you want to do something, and you say, "All right, so uh, let's try a food truck." So we went out and bought a food truck, and it's a badass food truck, and. Um, I've seen your chef, Chef Lundy, driving yeah, around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he'll, be, not, not he'll pro- post on Facebook, not live, right? Yeah. yeah, He does a real safe <laughs> shot of him driving. Yeah. like, hey, look at me <laughs> You know, we thought, uh, or I thought, after watching some of these shows on, on uh, you know, Food Network and, and stuff like that, it's, like, it's, it's <laughs> awesome, right? You don't see the side behind the scenes when oh, you got that God. chef sweating his balls off and, you know, can't get off the truck because you got uh, uh, 10 people standing at the window yep. and stuff like that. So, um, we bought the truck and we competed and we did a lot of really cool things and we made some money and now it's catering. Hmm. And um, we decided that uh, we, we were going to let the medallion lapse and now, again, we just do catering. Okay. So I won't, right. I won't take a truck out for less than 2500 or $3,000 and we'll cook anything from steaks and ribeyes to burgers and dogs and you don't have to mess up your kitchen and we can serve on paper we can serve on plastic we can serve on real you know real plates that we have at the the commissary or not commissary but over at our storeroom um and it's great and i i got it out of my system (laughs) (laughs) and we we did it when i buy a second truck no right uh you know it's a crazy it's a crazy uh business and lifestyle but um, you know, the other thing we did was I bought a 30-foot uh, smoker with a live-fire mesquite grill and a crawfish cooker, and um, that's more for fun. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's tailgating. Um, we do a lot of stuff with Casa de Esperanza. Yeah. So we've pulled the trailer out to their neighborhood and cooked for a couple hundred people. We've done crawfish boils. We've done, again, burgers and dogs. We've done... Uh, barbecue competitions. Uh, I mean, you you name it. When you when you and it's got hot water. It's got a stereo. Yeah. Oh. It's, of course about, it has a stereo. Yeah, I was gonna say I thought about putting a TV on there, but we haven't done that quite yet. But uh, you know, you pull it. You pull You'll it. You get there. It's got yeah. It's got a top. It's got wings that they keep the rain off of you. Nice. So it's a uh, it's like a Jeep. It's a work in progress. You know, yeah. you buy a Jeep and yeah. you keep adding to it. Big tires yeah, yeah. and you do this. And so that, that's what it is, man. So Which you are fond of Jeeps. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we all know. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I think the expansion and everything that you've talked about. I think we've had people like we'll. I'll use uh, Will from Corkscrew, where it's it's one of those where we talked about on our podcast with him. The way he's doing things is not sustainable. And even he'll admit that, where he is the guy who touches every single piece of meat. You can't expand from that. Um, we talked about, you talk, You mentioned Lamontes. Barbie Lamonte is the face of Lamontes. And it is, people went there to see her. The food is fantastic, yes, and everything like that. But it was very hard for her to step away at times and so forth because people felt like it was a different experience. We talked about Azul Seafood Tapas, you and I. Um, Edgar, not only is the sushi chef, but he is also the entertainment and the reason why mm-hmm. people go there, you know, mm-hmm. because he is so personal, because he is so lovable. 
and because the food is really good. But when he's not there, I think people have a different experience and the fact that they feel like they're missing just a little bit something. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about whether it's from the chef end or the operator end, you have to find a way to make that concept not endeared to you and the fact that you, you, you can't have it so tied in. And we have chef concepts that it's like, if the chef leaves that restaurant, that restaurant is so tied to who that chef is and what he's doing in that kitchen, you can't expand on that. So it becomes an operations thing right. where it's like, okay, how can this not be Connor's restaurant? This mm. becomes the, you know, a restaurant or restaurant ABC, you know, um, on its own, you know, whether it's front of the house or the chef side. So I think it's really kind of cool to hear the front of the house side of it because we've heard the chef side of it mm -hmm. um, a couple times with the podcast. So on the, on the front end or the front of the house, sorry. Um, it's really kind of cool to hear you explain, explain that, you know, <laughs> and, it can, and it can be spot on the, the experience can be spot on, but when the guest leaves and they say, ah, oh, I didn't see Connor, <laughs> I was a little off. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my steak was a little overcooked this time. Yeah. You know, it just, it just happens like that. It uh, does. It does. Now I, I think, you know, going from one to two, then two to three. I think because you are so neighbor focused, um, one of the quotes that I've always used with chain restaurants. Um, he didn't just call me a chain, did he? No, 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 not at all. No, no, saying, no, don't do it. Don't do it. That's like a curse word in our house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anything that has multiple units. But when, yeah. when it comes to chain restaurants, and, and um, I, I always forget who the chef was that, that talked about it, but he says chain restaurants, because they expand so much and because they go into so many different neighborhoods, they have to appeal to the lowest common denominator in all of those establishments. When you go from one to two, I assume that one is one. Like you said, you walked around and you were talking to everybody and saying, what do you want on this menu? A second location isn't going to be apples to apples necessarily, correct? Mm -hmm. um, and then when you go to three, not only have you, not only have you expanded you know, everything along those lines, but you've brought in a whole different demographic. I mean, we, we can talk about the Woodlands demographic being completely different than the Katy demographic. The Katy demographic is different than the Cinco Ranch demographic, you know, that sort of thing. What is it? What is it that when you move into a neighborhood, like it's kind of like the first things that you're looking for? You know, how, I mean, the, the step isn't just I'm just going to put another one here. There, there's there's a lot more to it. Can you explain that process just a little bit for some of our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's when you say that every neighborhood is different. That is just barely scratching the surface. <laughs> it's it, it's amazing when you go from when you go from the heights inside six ten. To the heights outside 610 <laughs> you go from uh beltway a memorial area to highway six out to Katy, out to fulcher i mean you're, you're literally talking about seven miles of highway and every two and a half miles is a completely different type of clientele um one of the things that that i learned that i did want to do from mccormick and schmicks was I traveled around uh, not only when I was in training, but uh, during the course of my employ with them, I traveled around to several of the different restaurants. And what they had done before Tillman came in and took over was they said about 70% of this menu is core. So you're always going to be able to find uh, the crab legs or the salmon or, you know, whatever the, whatever the core, the salads, the, you know, different entrees. Mm -hmm. And then about 30% of the menu was the chef. Mm -hmm. And the chef that they hired in each particular area, whether it be up in Seattle, whether it be in uh, down in California, whether it be in Texas, whether it be you know wherever the store was, that chef got to play with the menu, right. and he put things on. So in Texas, we like spice. Yeah. 
You go to the Northeast, and all like spice. No spice. <laughs> I mean, no literally, literally, Cajun food in the Northeast does not have spice. Like you're yeah. just sitting here trying it, and it's crazy. So, um, so what we've done is we've got about seventy five percent of our menu. I would say that's core items. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of them came from Gina's Italian Bistro at Tuck One. It's that pistachio chicken. Um, there's a there's a uh, uh, pe- pecan crusted fish, whether it be mahi or trout, there's you know there's a few of those things. Mm-hmm. There's things that we've put on the menu, chefs and myself over the over the years. And then again, there's about twenty five percent that each one of the chefs in the restaurant gets to play with. Yeah, and they love it. It gives you that creativity. We were just talking about this, uh, you know, off air a couple minutes ago. The, the ability for an individual to have creativity and be in control of what they consider to be their own future is awesome. Yeah. And when a dish goes on a menu uh, for, you know, a, an actual permanent menu, I go to that chef and I give him a little bonus. You know, it's, it, if that's something that's going to do well, then why not? Why not take care them, of that right? individual? Yeah, you know, take care of that individual. Right. So um, it's just been, you know, it's, 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 it's definitely been a learning curve. Now, we, 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 this is the first time uh, Father's Day, Mother's Day and Father's Day. So at Easter, all of our chefs got to do their own menus. Oh, cool. And, man, it was managing that from, a, <laughs> from, from my standpoint, you know, with the keys and the computer and are you charging right and cost of goods and blah, blah, you know, all this kind of stuff. It was nuts. So what we did was we said on Mother's Day and Father's Day, we're going to get all the chefs to turn in their dishes – we're going to make a menu, and then you got to add one dish. Hmm. So when we decided it was going to be your fish dish and your steak dish and you know this was going to be the appetizer, then we put that menu together, and then you got to add one dish to it. Okay. And food cost-wise, it was spectacular. Because you know during HRW, uh, or Houston Restaurant Weeks, during that month, you can go to multiple restaurants. Yeah. So we have different menus at all the restaurants. Right. On Easter, you're not going to two of our restaurants. Right. So we didn't need... 10 different menus. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see how the guys worked together and that they called their vendors and said, okay, if I buy 100 pounds of fish versus 800 pounds of fish, right. what's the price you'll give me? Right. Well, they saw, individually, they saw, oh, man, you're going to knock 50 cents off a pound? That's a big, that's a big yeah. freaking difference. You just yeah. save four hundred dollars right off the bat, and we're not even talking about any of the other stuff that goes on the plate. So it was, it was, um, it, it was the first time that we had done it, and I, I, I would say it was a huge success. Um, you know, we comp positive at all the stores, meaning meaning headcount wise and 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 dollar wise, and uh, did better on food cost. So those then become the new goals, you know, for the following year, which make it more and more difficult. I feel like I got way off topic. No, 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 no sorry. No, no, yeah. <laughs> you actually closed it. You circled back I, I up. Think you, I think you kind of okay. came around. Yeah. yeah, and he threw cost of goods in there. So I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I would, you know, so knowing that, so there's 30% that you let your chefs play with. That gives them the incentive. That lets them, yeah. that gives them the creative freedom, which most chefs are very creative. You know, that's why they're back of the house. They're very mm. good and very intelligent at coming up with dishes that, that taste great. So giving them that freedom to do that, that's phenomenal. As, an, as, a, as a manager, owner, it, it provides for your, your company and it provides for the employees. So it's, it's a win-win, right? Outside of that 30%, how do you control food costs and still stay relevant in a market with ingredients that, that are trendy, 
or on par with what your budget needs to be. I mean, it's, it's got to be very difficult, especially with multiple locations, to, to figure out how to stay relevant to your customer, stay on trend, make some money, and then, you know, do it all over again in six months to a year. Mm-hmm. Or does your menu not vary that much? No, it does. Okay. Um, what, what, well, we use, we use PMIX. Okay. So Focus has some really good reporting. Focus is our computer system. They have some really good reporting that we can pull. Uh, one of them is PMIX, product mix. And it'll tell me over the course of a month or six months or a year what my top sellers are and what my, what my slow movers are. Mm-hmm. Now, inevitably, I'm going to pull a dish off that sold one in the last six months, and the first day I roll the new menu out, that person's going to walk in and be That's like, right. oh, my God, right. where is this, exactly right? right. Um, Fine oysters. Where, yeah. where, were they, where, where were they the last six months? Yeah, I know, right? When I, when I couldn't sell a damn uh, thing, and it, it, the, joke, the joke inside of our company is the uh, Chipotle shrimp pizza. The Chipotle shrimp pizza with a spicy tomato sauce and fresh cilantro and caramelized red onions. You love that. That one. is my <laughs> favorite. That's what I thought. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is my dish. So about every six months, we put it back on the menu. <laughs> and the chefs are like, it never sells. Why does it go on the menu? I'm like, because I'm the owner. And I'm telling you, I want it back on the menu. And there's a flex. And, yeah, and six months from now, when it doesn't sell, you can show me. And then guess what? Six months from now, they're like, Paul, man. It's taking up valuable real estate on the menu. You got to get you got to get rid of this thing. So that's funny. Um, but but you know the 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 bottom really the bottom ten to fifteen percent comes off every single time. Doesn't yeah, matter what it is. Really. Doesn't matter if it's my favorite dish. Doesn't matter if it's got my wife's name on it or my son. <laughs> um, it's uh, those those items have to get changed out. So you don't. So as a rule of thumb, you don't keep a lost leader. Oh you know, no. You know the you know, the barbecue guys will do a beef rib on on Saturdays only because people love it. It's obnoxious. It's big. But they don't make any money off of it. But every Saturday, they draw in a crowd. We call it a lost leader. You know that. They draw in a crowd with a beef rib. They sell 20 of them. But then everything else they've sold, right, that are, that become incidentals to the beef rib just on yeah. Saturdays mm-hmm. has has driven their profits. And they've, they're they successful, right? Overall, it's been successful. Yeah. So you're saying, nah. So, you know, it's, it's funny. My dad and I have this conversation about barbecue <laughs> restaurants all the time. There's a place called Opie's. Out in Spicewood. Okay. And he used to work for Cooper's. Okay. Left. Institution. Cooper's Institution. Went and did his own thing. I've been to Cooper's a hundred times. I've been to Opie's a hundred times. I've probably been to every single barbecue joint that you guys have interviewed and <laughs> talked to. I tried to go to Blood Brothers today, but they weren't open. <laughs> they like, all closed on Mondays. I was yeah. like, damn. Yeah. Um, but I, what I can't figure out is how at three o'clock do you run out of food mm-hmm. right it drives me nuts if i ran a restaurant <laughs> where my guest came walking in and said man that that uh chipotle shrimp pizza <laughs> is my absolute favorite and i look at him and i go oh, i'm sorry it's three o'clock we sold out of that yeah. they look at me and go I, i'm not coming back they'd be on their yelp before they walked out of the yeah restaurant. right right yeah. they'd be dogging you and you know it's funny because like you know, you were talking about the beef rib. So we sell a filet mignon for 30 bucks. We sell a pork rib for 20, a, a, a gigantic two rib pork chop okay. for 20. We sell uh, a ribeye for 28, right? Those are all 50, 50 or 60% food costs. Sure. So do they drive the top line? Yeah, absolutely. But do they drive margin? No. You know, there's contribution to profit, yeah. and then there's margin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I actually asked one of my managers, 
my one of my my general managers when I was a a brand spanking new uh, uh, server. I go well then uh, it was Papa Do's, and I'm just learning about cost, and I go. To 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 her, I go. Why wouldn't I just sell um, Behringer White Zinfandel and fried shrimp all day long, <laughs> right? Behringer right. White Zinfandel, you buy it for three bucks a bottle. You sell it for fifteen or twenty. You know, you 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 sell it for seven dollars a glass. Fried yeah. shrimp back then, you know, twenty years ago when I started in the industry, <laughs> probably cost you know twenty six thirties, which which is what we were frying up. Probably cost you. I don't know, three bucks a pound. Yeah, you know, something three nine out of yeah, yeah, exactly. Something <laughs> ridiculous. Catfish, uh, uh, catfish fillets, three to five ounce catfish fillets were costing you about domestic you know, catfish. Yeah, domestic, it, not swine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, buck fifty, buck sixty a yeah. pound. You know, stuff like that. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't you just do this? And then came in the contribution to profit, and not, you know, you can't get that high-end guest in here to drink Behringer sure. White's Infidel. Sure. And because all I was drinking was beer at the time. Yeah. You know, I hadn't, <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't started to dabble in wine at all. I didn't drink any liquor. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's, you know, people think that, people think that when you go through school or you go to, you go to, uh, to school to become a chef or anything in front of the house, that all of a sudden you just walk out and you have all the answers. <laughs> well, I went to Purdue University. You know, I, I felt like when I walked out, I had all the damn answers, right? <laughs> and I get out, and I didn't. And, yeah. you know, you learn, and you go through time. And, and uh, I thought I was going to open a restaurant maybe 10 years earlier than I did. And my dad's looking at me going, hey, you're not ready. I, I can just have a conversation with you and tell you you're, not, you're yeah. not ready. That's good checks and balances. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think when I did, he probably still looked at me and said, <laughs> you're not ready. <laughs> you got well, a lot of stuff to figure out. more so. of a calculated risk when you did, right, as opposed to just a straight-up risk, right? Without you, a doubt. Yeah, you had a better game plan, better mindset. Yeah. So that's pretty that's, – you know, it, the market is so difficult because, um, we, you know, you're just sharing dollars, right? You're always fighting for mindset, and you're always fighting for dollars. And with, you know – with with restaurants whether they be regional chains national chains they they have big marketing budgets ways to get in front of the customer that you you never thought you could have and so that plays a big big role um in fighting for those dollars is how to stay relevant Mm -hmm. right you guys are doing that you're growing you've got multiple units um that's how you calculate profitability that's how you calculate you know net net at the end of the day What's next? I mean, you know, well, do you-, you know, it's funny. I, I want to tag on to what you were saying just now, and I, I'd like to tell you the story about our union burger. Absolutely. So um, I, I hired the chef, and he came on board, and we put this menu together. And again, it was a couple nice pieces of fish. It was, you know, the ribeye, the filet mignon. It was all this stuff. And I go, all right, now I want to have the baddest ass burger ever. <laughs> and he looks at me and he's like, "But we're not a burger joint." And I'm like, "No." I want to have so we did Sheila Parton's sweet wheat bun. Mm-hmm. Love that half pound burger, quarter quarter eight salt and pepper on both sides. Uh, one slice of Swiss, one slice of Tillamook cheddar. Got to be Tillamook cheddar, sharp, be. right? Because the bun is sweet. Tillamook mm-hmm. cheddar sharp. Two slices of um, pecan wood, not apple wood. Too sweet. Okay. Pecan wood smoke bacon. Um, A one aioli, right? Mm-hmm. Mayonnaise was. A, with wrong. A1 sauce mixed, yeah. Yeah, mixed together, but we called it A1 aioli. It sounded fancy. <laughs> fancy. Yeah, right? Uh, you, know, you build a burger. Um, uh, we didn't do bib lettuce like a lot of places do. We actually did the spring mix. Okay. Two thick slices of tomato, and we did a, a sweet and spicy pickle, like a wickle, mm-hmm. one of the wickles. And then build it, put the steak knife in the top, beautiful, served with chips. And the reason it was served with chips and not fries is because we only had one fryer. 
so I couldn't do fries, so I had to do chips all day long. And uh, so we do this thing, and we won Best Burger um, in 2000, and I want to say 12 or 13. And, he, and he's, before, before we started to sell it, he looks at me and he goes, dude, we're not a burger joint. What are you doing? And I go, this is how you earn the guest trust. They're going to come in, and they're going to spend 9 bucks for a burger mm-hmm. with chips, and yeah. they're going to buy a beer. And they're going to come back, and then they're going to try a chicken dish, and then they're going to try a pasta. And then finally, after you get your hooks into them and they trust you and they believe in whatever your concept is, then they'll come back and buy that 50 or $60 bottle of wine, and they'll buy that ribeye. Mm-hmm. So now, all of a sudden, you've got a $100 PPA as right. opposed to a $12 PPA. Yeah. But that that period of time was not two weeks. It was like 10 months. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and that's where we got, that's how we got where we did with Tuck One and we're able to put enough money in the bank to do tuck two and, you know, kind of, kind of go on from there. So, uh, but yeah, that's like my, that's like my, <laughs> my proudest, my, my, my teaching moment, right. With, uh, I really want, you know, I really want this badass burger. And the fact of the matter is I probably still eat it once a week, which is why I look like I do. So I think I'll never I, be skinny. <laughs> I think it's a, a perfect example of, of utilizing a menu item to, like you said, earn that customer's trust, something that's approachable, something that, I mean, Houston's known as a, as a burger city, you know, for sure. Um, but to, to, to expand on that I think I think that that was a fantastic example that you just gave so I, I hope a lot of people heard that and are able to apply that to their own establishments or you know look at that into other restaurants as well it's just like when you bring in a new chef or something he's got to earn your trust before you start spending that that top tier dollar you know no yeah. matter who you are no matter who you are no matter who you where are. you're from Chicago LA New York you know you come in here it's you got to earn it absolutely yeah. that was awesome that's a great uh, oh no no no! We got more. We got a ton more. No, <laughs> let, me, I know, let me ask you a question before two. we go to break. Let me ask you real quick, real yeah. quick. So, you're a nuts and bolts guy, right? You've brick and mortar. You've been through. You've been through the change. You've earned your stripes. You've got a great foundation for business, and it's shaking hands, kissing babies, you know, uh, treating your treating your team right, right? It's a family affair. Let me ask you about something outside of brick and mortar, social media. Okay, how important? is social media to the success of your brick and mortars um, day to day, month to month? I, I think that social media, the importance of social media is every bit as important as turning the lights on when you walk into the wow, restaurant. That's a big statement. No. I mean, if, if, you, if, if you don't let the guest know what you're doing, if you don't put it out there, they're going someplace else because everybody else is. Right. Everybody else that's around you is 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 posting. And and it's funny because my father will sit down with a book that's five hundred pages <laughs> and he'll knock it out in three days. You give me a five hundred page book. I'm going to sleep. I, I'm reading it <laughs> ten years from now. <laughs> right? But you look at my 15-year-old and my 12-year-old, mm-hmm. even my 4-year-old, for God's sakes. She's got her own iPad, yeah. right, That's with, the, with the plastic case around it. She's carrying it around, you know, and we, we monitor what she's looking at, but it's, it's YouTube for kids. Yeah. So what does she want for Christmas? She can pull it up right now and show you what's going on. So right. it's just like an adult. If, you know, if you feel like going out for a beer, you know, where, where are you going? And, you know, I think personally think we have one of the best happy hours going. We call it 234. 
We got, uh, I'm sorry, three, four, five. We got $3 draft beers, $4 wells, $5 glasses of wine. Wow. All day, Monday through Friday. Hmm. And then we've got half-price appetizers from 4 to 6.30, or from 3 to 6.30. I know where I'll be tomorrow. <laughs> right? But, <laughs> but, but if you don't know about it, if I don't get it in front of you, That's right. then what's the point? But there's absolutely no point in my chefs going to all this work or the marketing you know, behind it or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, and where do you see it? You're not you're not buying you know the, the, the you're not buying the Chronicle anymore. You're probably reading the Chronicle online, right? You know you're uh, what there's two or three magazines that are out of print now in Houston that you yeah. can go that you can go pick up online. Um, you know, listening to podcasts. We were talking about that. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. You know, it's do you listen to it on your way to work or on your way home home from work? You know, I'm tired. I listen to music on the way home, but I listen to podcasts on the way to work. Yeah. So I'm figuring out where to go and what to do. You know, right then. Well, I think from a business decision too, right? If you look at the old print style advertising, right? It costs you a fortune. It does. And now, regardless of what platform you use, it's a fraction of the cost to reach 6,400 people, right? In a specific zip code who like food and wine, who have cigars, who likes red meat, who plays golf, who belongs to the country club, <laughs> who goes in. I mean, you can narrow it down. Where's this guy going for dinner? <laughs> I know, <right? laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, if I owned a restaurant, which I don't, because I like my weekends, <laughs> I would be, you know, I would be taking advantage of those platforms that are almost free, but yeah. then are really relevant too to reaching the customer base that you need to. We sent out a mailer to uh, 77025, which is Westview and Southside Place. Um, we sent a mailer out to Washington, uh, our new Washington location over mm -hmm. there, uh, the Washington Westcott Roundabout. Um, four or five zip codes cost me five thousand dollars. Oh my goodness! I'm sorry. Four of the five. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and we it, it was uh, and you always want to bounce back, right? You always yeah. want something on there that'll bring them back in. And I think it was buy one get one free entree. And we've sure. seen a lot of them come back. We really have. But if I'd have spent that same five thousand dollars on Facebook, Instagram, you know, Snapchat, all the, all the, I, I always make fun of my kids. I'm like, <laughs> snap face and, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. It just goes, it just goes so much farther. Yeah. But, but, you know, we call it the, we call it the shotgun, you know, the shotgun method of uh, marketing. I, you know, I, I'm willing to try it. If, if I did it and, and all of a sudden I got a thousand of those back. Mm -hmm. Is it worth it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, worth absolutely. it. Absolutely. But, you know, we're, we're kind of playing around. Uh, my buddy Brooks Bassler um, with uh, BB's. I'm sure you've been driving around town here lately and seeing his uh, billboards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not even going to tell you what that cost because we had a conversation <laughs> about it the other day. But he's got four billboards, and he's never done it before. And he goes, he goes you know what? At the end of this quarter, because um, uh, crawfish season just ended, which is his high season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now he's going into summer, which is his absolute dead season. He goes, we'll see. He started doing brunch, and he goes, I'll tell you what my head counts are. He goes, if it's up 20% from last year, then it was worth it. Yeah. If it's up 3% hmm. or down or whatever yeah. else, it goes, sure. you know. Even if you break even, right, you've shown some progress. But Yeah. Well, listen, that's great. Thank you for, for your feedback on that. Um, let's take a break. Yeah. And give a shout-out to uh, Duke's Premium Meats. We're here at uh, Beavers on Westheimer. And we'll be right back with more from Paul Miller and Great Plate. Duke's Premium Meats Home Delivery is your one-stop shop for premium quality meats delivered right to your doorstep. Delivering all over the United States, Duke's Premium Meats offers you the best in quality by personally working closely with local ranchers and butchers. Duke's Premium Meats offers everything from fillets and lobster tails to heart-shaped ribeyes to Texas-raised Wagyu brisket. 
Get amazing meat delivered right to your door by using Duke's Premium Meats. Visit their site at www.dukespremiummeats.com. Hey, welcome back to Cost of Goods Told. We're here. This is part three with Paul Miller. Hey, Paul. Good to be here. With Great Plate. And, uh, man, we've had a great conversation, part one, part two, getting to know you a little bit, um, where you came from, where you currently are. Let's talk about the future a little bit. Because surely with all this momentum <laughs> and success and failures, which make up success, right? Surely you're not done. Uh, I know you have, uh, I think you have a new restaurant that's going to open up this summer uh, out in Cyprus. Hopefully, hopefully in the next week or two. And what oh. number will that be for Tuck? That is Tuck 6. 6, okay. Yep, wait, is that right? <laughs> five, five, six, seven. Yes, six. And then Katie's going to be number seven. Okay. And that'll be Jack's number three. So that'll be the 10 restaurants total. And so what's number one? Congratulations. Thank you. <clears throat> Hopefully you won't get any, uh, you won't lose any more sleep over those. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the game, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got a great, a great team in place. You speak very highly of them. They're helping you achieve numbers and be successful. Uh, you know, along with your father and your wife and your kids. I've seen your daughter washing dishes, so you're getting them started early. <laughs> Absolutely. What's the goal? Is it 10? Is it 20? I mean, is it is it? do you stay in Houston? Do you go outside of Houston? And, and I mean, Houston, you know, in general, like the woodlands and Cypress. Mm -hmm. Anything outside? I mean, what's... What are, you, what are you aiming for? So my wife asks me this question all the time. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be confused with Doris. <laughs> and, it's, and it's typically after a bottle of wine or oh, okay. maybe two okay. or, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, honestly, I, I didn't – if you'd asked me when we took over Gina's Italian Bistro, if you'd have said, are you going to have 10 restaurants in 10 years? I'd have said, no way. Because of the – because of how hard it was, right. the amount of work that went into getting number one open and and uh, staffing and and all the you know the the permitting and everything that goes along with it and and just the the the, the, the handshakes and making sure that people feel valued and you know all the things that we all, all the things that we do the the um, you know I, I wish I could even tell you the number of teams that we sponsor. Um, the, the, the men's club over in, uh, Ella, we sponsor, uh, a couple of, um, a couple of soccer teams every year, a couple of flag football teams. Um, I got suckered into sponsoring a baseball team. <laughs> uh, so, so, right. I have, I have this perspective in my head, right. Cause I, you know, you sponsor a soccer team, it's 200 bucks. You sponsor a flag football team. It's like two, two fifty. <laughs> and I get this guy come to me and he goes, uh, Hey, you want to sponsor our baseball team? West U, West U baseball team, West U Little League. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure. And he goes, we'll put your name on the back of the jerseys. You know, we win championships every other year. You know, it's going to be <laughs> great. And I'm like, super. Yeah, sure, man. I'd, I'd be more than happy to do that. Great. I'll come back in a couple of days with the paperwork. We'll get a check from you. Perfect. Thousand dollars, thousand dollars, and I'm not even the only sponsor. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> you know, there's, it's, uh, it's crazy. So yeah, so again. Living and learning, would I would, would I have said I'm going to be here, you know, ten years ago? No, right. no without a doubt, no chance. Um, but if you say where are you going to be ten years from now, your perspective changes. You know, are are, um, are we going to be at twenty? Are we going to be at thirty? Yeah. Are we going to be at ten? You know, do we um, do we focus on what we've got and uh, 
you know, take a step back. I'm, you know, I'm young in the overall scheme of things. You know, when I look at a lot of the guys that are out there um, that have been doing this for a long time, I, I, I was fortunate enough to sit on a board and um, and speak to a bunch of people the other day with uh, with Lonnie Schiller, um, Tony Valone was there. Um, uh, there. There were there were several other restaurateurs, and these guys are these guys are long time members of the restaurant community. And the conversations that I have with them are, you know, back in the day. They didn't like each other. Right. You know, it was... Very cutthroat, right? Yeah. It was, you're all fighting for that same dollar. And you're talking about a Houston with, uh, I don't know, 2,000 less restaurants? Yeah. You know, and, and and it wasn't it wasn't like you didn't see each other walking down the street and wave and be like, hey, buddy, what's going on? You know, like 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 we do now. Let's have a drink. Yeah. Yeah. It was just it was a different it was a different uh, it was a different culture. And now um, they do. Yeah. You know, now uh, we're talking about or they're talking about how to get um, a really good, solid uh, food and wine festival here in Houston. Why, as a city with six million people and the number of hotels that we have and all the different amenities and and football, basketball, baseball, rugby, soccer, you know, all this stuff, why do we not have a super badass uh, food and wine festival? Yeah. We've got the one in the Woodlands, but that's weak, and that's mostly run by HEB, you know? <laughs> so it's like when you when you look around and you go, look at all the other cities that are doing this, and, and we're not, they're trying to put that together. Mm -hmm. So that just, that to me shows the difference in you know, where we were 25 or 30 years ago, you know, when my dad's favorite restaurants were rotisserie for beef and bird. Um, oh, what's the, uh, what's the wild game restaurant that got flooded out and reopened? Um, uh, it's on the bayou. It was on the bayou. Oh. Rainbow Lodge. Um, Rainbow, Rainbow Lodge. Lodge. Yeah. Rainbow Lodge. Um, you know, uh, Tony's is, uh, you know, obviously, obviously one that's huge. Um, you know, but, but nowadays, I've said this to several different people that we've been talking to. My personal opinion, fine dining's dead. You know, you, you don't, you, a lot of these people in Houston aren't going to white tablecloth restaurants where a jacket is required right. like you used to here in Houston. It's a much more casual environment. You know, there's restaurants like, you know, like Real, there's restaurants, uh, uh, Brian Caswell just got back open at Reef. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I could name off 25 different restaurants where you can get food that is just absolutely spectacular. You can get caviar with potato chips over at uh, mm -hmm. over at uh, Super Rica or La Lucha, right. I think, now. So it's like you, you, you look at it and go, you know, Perry's is doing great. They really are. Papa's Brothers Steakhouse, man, it's beautiful every time I go in there. you got to wear a collar. We sit in the bar, love it, absolutely love it. But could somebody else come in and really do that again? Like, you know, like what they've done? Sure. I don't, I don't well, first of all, I don't think you need it. But second of all, I, I don't know, you know? Um, so it's just, again, it's just interesting to see what, to, you know, to see what the Houston market holds um, in the future. And will all these restaurants be here in a couple of years that are, that are coming in now, especially the ones that are coming in from out of town? You know, how... How how much do do Houstonians and Texans really care about about Houston supporting Houston and the local you know the local mom and pop restaurants or the the people that are trying to make it as opposed to like I said people that come in from out of town and do these big you know ten fifteen thousand square foot yeah. places that are on the you know on the highway that that, that remains to be seen you know we we will we'll be able to tell in the next couple of years. Um, you know, one of the things that my distributors are telling me, if I cross state lines, I become way more powerful. 
I've got a lot more buying power. Um, you, when you get multiple, um, when you get multiple units, uh, multiple uh, uh, distribution points involved, mm-hmm. you become a lot more powerful. Not only with liquor, beer, wine distributors, but also with food distributors, um, whether it be seafood or steak or or just your broadline distributor like Cisco. Um, so you know, would I go to back to Oklahoma City? Uh, absolutely. You know, Bricktown. Yeah, I'd love that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I grew up. I grew up in Edmond, right outside Oklahoma City. I got a lot of good friends there. I got buddies that are chefs. I got, you know, we go back on a on a pretty regular basis just to check things out. Um, would I want to open a restaurant back in OKC? Absolutely. I think you, know, you belong right next to Mickey Mantle's and KG's. Yeah, and, you like and, that area? Yeah, I, mean, I do. I do. <laughs> I, I, do I do love man. Mickey Mantle's. <laughs> That's you know, I'd, I'd go. Uh, I'd go back to. I'd go back to Edmond. Um, you know, I, you know, my places were like Johnny's, uh, Johnny's Char Grill Burgers. Oh yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what the breakfast joint was that we used to go to all the time. I didn't get up that early when uh, I was. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's a wonderful city. Um, would I go to Austin? Uh, no chance. You know, in my opinion, everything from Austin that comes to Houston, we love and embrace. Yeah. Everything from Houston that goes to Austin uh, fails miserably. Um, you know, most mo- most notably or recently, uh, you know, I was talking to Lance Vegan about Liberty Kitchen. You know, they went back there and, and had a had a pretty decent location and a beautiful spot and tried to do some things and um, good food and just <laughs> failed. Yeah. You know, yeah. it didn't work. And, you know, is it because it came from Houston? I don't know, but I've seen a lot of restaurants from Houston go there and not make it. Um, San Antonio, different story. You know, people travel to San Antonio a lot. It's very family oriented. Yeah, yeah. it's maybe a better demographic. So could that be? Could that be a place? Yeah. Maybe. You know, I lived in Dallas when I was younger. Um, you know, I, I worked out on Loop Twelve for for Papados, and um, and I've been back a few times since and kind of checked out what's going on there. Um, you know, I I, I don't know. I, I lived on Lower Greenville. Where, where you've got kind of that montrose type feel yeah. with uh, Blue Goose and Flying Burrow and some smaller places like that. Um, could we do that, maybe? Uh, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think it's all about the opportunity. Sure. You know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be up in Cyprus right now if, if I hadn't gotten a phone call that said, there's a restaurant that's going to be closing. You, you've got a hood. You've got a grease trap. You've got an operating restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to pay for all that stuff. And the equipment package that's there is going to stay. So really, we've gone in and remodeled the place, and we're going to turn it around for a fraction of what we're doing, Katie. So what you're saying is, short, short and quick. Yeah, yeah you're open to all opportunities. <laughs> and, and, and the reason I say it is because, look, you talked about Oklahoma, and that that would be a great place. You talked about Dallas, San Antonio, Austin. Yeah, so not just regionally in the state, which is a great state, and there's no other state better than this one. But yeah, you talk about going north. Or some other place that's a great financial opportunity for you, your family, and the company. More importantly, the company and its employees. So. Absolutely. And, and I think, um, I, I also believe, with the way that the neighborhoods in Houston lay out, I think there's an opportunity for probably three more jacks and maybe two or three more uh, union kitchens. Wow. Just in the different parts of town. I mean, I, I've been trying to get into Spring Branch for 10 years. Yeah, I love Spring Branch. Love it. I'd like to live there, but I can't. <laughs> you know, well, you could. Yeah. You could live in a ranch style. It yeah, may, exactly. not be, may not be your yeah, style. But. I, I could live in somebody's pool house, probably. But it's. Um, but you know uh, that that whole square that's right there is uh, is awesome. Yeah. You know, uh, could, could we go a little bit further down south, maybe towards like a like a Pearland, um, maybe. Um, there's just a lot. You know, the, the, there's a lot of areas. There's a lot of 
areas with density of, sure. of, of people. And that's mm-hmm. what we look, you know, that's what we look for. Now you were talking that it could handle maybe a Jack's and a union kitchen. Are there any other concepts that you got on the back burner or something else that you're fiddling with? Cause it, it seems like you're the type of guy who's like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not stuck with one thing. That's why I have a little chef in him. His wife yeah. is going like, so what are you on today? Yeah. Like what, what's on your mind tonight? You know, you know, th- there's a, uh, I, I think every, what I would call serial entrepreneur <laughs> always has these like these things, right? Like I wanted the food truck. So we did it. I wanted the, the smoker. So we did it. Um, I, I, we were, we were toying with a counter service restaurant before we bought Jack's. So that sort of satisfied yeah, you know, that, right, that, right, right, that counter, um, you know, we, we were talking about uh, Lee Ellis um, earlier and I, you know, I had this, we we have a seafood concept that's probably about 85% to completion that we were looking for a location for when Starfish opened. Okay. And when Starfish opened and they got all the hubbub and all that kind of stuff, we were like, all right, well, let's just put that up on the, you know, put that up on the shelf and leave it and leave it alone. But, you know, really th- there's there's about three concepts that we have right now in development. And when I say in development, I mean like 40%, 50%, but you do that simply because you want to keep those creative juices sure. flowing. Sure, sure. Like when I get my chefs together, um, we, we have what we call a merge meeting. And a merge meeting is, the reason I call it a merge meeting is because I, I want to merge everyone's thoughts together. I want, I want to sit in a room and I want to hear everybody's ideas. And then when we leave, I want to feel like we're all on the same page, right? Mm-hmm. We had this conversation. We got our ideas out there. Maybe we had a couple of fights in the process. But when we leave, we're on the same page with the direction that we're going. Sure. So when we have these meetings, I'll look at a chef and go, what's your favorite entree right now? And they'll go, oh, well, it's the uh, pistachio chicken. No, 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 I'm not talking about it at our restaurant. What is your favorite of all the stuff that you're reading, of all the stuff that you're looking at, whatever it is that you're doing, what is your favorite entree right now? Tell me. Sometimes it's a burger. Sometimes it's a pizza fish. Sometimes it's casserole. Sometimes it's uh, sous vide. You know, it's, it's just, it, it's amazing. It's amazing to kind of watch these guys' brains work because there's no two chefs that we have in our company mm-hmm. that work the same. Mm-hmm. You know, one guy wants to open a Mexican restaurant. You know, another guy wants to open a seafood restaurant. Another guy wants to open a steak restaurant. Another, you know, and it's just to hear the ideas get thrown around. And I'm like, okay, wait, stop. You want to open a steak restaurant. What makes you different than the, the 75 other steak right. restaurants that are here right now? How are you going to make it with right. all these other guys that are serving on silver platters with <laughs> the nicest knife you've ever seen? And, you know, all this kind of stuff. And like, yeah, right? Yeah. A million-dollar chandelier. Uh, what's... um. Double Eagle, uh, the Double Eagle Steakhouse over there in the Galleria, yeah. right? The, the the stairway that goes up that was designed by so and so that cost four million dollars. Like, mm-hmm. like what are you? What are you? Like, what? <laughs> are you eating steak off of that stair? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know what you're doing with that. So it's just, you know, it's interesting. You know, even conversations like what we're having right now. Um, would I like to do a, a cool Italian restaurant? Yes, I think I personally believe that we have some of the you know best pizzas. We make our own pizza crust. We, we, we cook them in uh, Italian uh, stones. They're gas-fired, not wood. The, the, new, the new restaurant up in uh, Cyprus is going to be gas-fired. Um, or, I'm sorry, wood-fired. Wood-fired. Um, uh, so we're, we're, we're toying around with some different ideas there. So it's like, 
why you know why not you know yeah. what, what's what's yeah, yeah. what, what's what's to slow you down you know so besides your own you know besides <laughs> your own mind so well i think and it, i believe you've done a really great job with the current t- concepts that you have multiple items from multiple sides of the menu mm-hmm. that shine and that while that may work against the rest of us who are hoping that you come up with a seafood restaurant <laughs> you still have really good fish right on the menu you still have really good pizza on the menu you still have great burgers you still have great salads i mean you that's by design that's not by accident but you know that may slow down or, or maybe appease you is probably the word from opening up a full-fledged seafood restaurant because you've already got these other options and i'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing yeah. i'm just saying you know well the 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 experience uh the experienced guy in me would say if we're gonna do a seafood restaurant it would be 2500 to 3000 square feet it wouldn't be five six or seven i got right. you you know you. it would Smaller be footprint. it'd be manageable more intimate yeah, yeah it Fresh would be seafood. and it would be awesome and the bartender would say hi to you as soon as you walk in the door and whoever that manager is that's the mayor of the floor is going to know you you know they're going right. to walk over and that's and that's it but it's going to be it's going to be neighborhood it's not it wouldn't be white tablecloth it wouldn't be fine dining you know we're white tablecloth at union kitchen but it's not fine dining mm-hmm. you know you can walk in and flip flops and shorts and get a table and and enjoy the heck out of yourself mm-hmm. but i want i really want the guests to feel like you know, we're out kicking our coverage. You're, sure. you're, you're getting more, you're getting value. You're getting value for that dollar. Gotcha. So, you know, can you bring a date? Yeah. Can you celebrate an anniversary? Can you get engaged? Um, have you been to L, have you been to the LL location? Uh, I've driven past it 10 times to get to Gatlin's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's literally, I can throw a rock and hit his, yeah, uh, yeah, hit his window. Yeah. I eat there all the time. Um, when you walk in the front door, mm-hmm. you go to the right, white tablecloths, black booths, chandeliers all the way mm-hmm. down. You go to the left, bar, wood floor, uh, reclaimed wood tables, loud atmosphere. It's yeah. you got you you kind of got the Good best mix. Of, yeah, you got the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. So, if if I were to do something like that again, it would probably be half. Yeah, you know, take half that restaurant sure. and then try something, and if it fails. You don't have a million bucks into it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, it's a different ball It still game. hurts. Yeah, you know, no, no, it hurts. <laughs> but, uh, it, 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 it's a less. That. Yeah. Right? The recovery time is less. So. Yeah. I think, I think it's awesome, though, because, you know, through the conversation and from what I've read and understood, it seems like every step has been relatively organic. Like, hey, the space has worked. Hey, we've wanted to go in here, but we haven't found the space that works with team's not ready for that. Um, but also with every, every unit that you have already, not only is it hard for some people to execute on one type of menu style, you've executed extremely well on, like you said, across the board on the menu. And you offer, you have a, a large offering, you know, from all the menus that you do, from your brunch, your breakfast, to the lunch and the dinner. Um, and, and I don't think I've ever heard somebody say that there's not something on there that's not <laughs> good, you know? I mean, because you, you could go into establishments and it's like, you know what? Yeah, we're gonna go here, but don't order that side of the menu. Make you know, sure you or like order the shrimp pizza. <laughs> order the yeah. shrimp pizza. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I think that, that that speaks volumes. That every every location has that reputation, and I think that as you expand and as you as you keep going, that you continue that. Um, as an operator, that's not a simple task. You know, so you know, super kudos for that, and especially from someone Appreciate who it. struggled with just keeping consistency and service staff up to par. 
at a single unit, you know, I'm, I'm just in awe that it's like, well, you know, six months in, we were like, hey, unit number two. I was like six months into just <laughs> running a restaurant. I was about to pull my damn hair out, you know. Oh. Um, so I, I think I, I hope that there's a lot that people got to listen to, you know, throughout this podcast um, and have been able to take away a lot of knowledge um, because it's just it, it, it's so cool to kind of catch. And, and thank you for being so candid about everything, too, and open about everything. Well, too. thank you. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It means a ton. Paul, we don't have the lightning round questions like some do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we will put you on the spot. So, okay. so great success. Right. And um, you've come a long way since that first location where you've had to touch everything and manage everything and be the face. Congratulations on, on the evolution of a successful restaurant business. Anybody you want to give a special shout out to? That's, you know, I, I know how important your father is to you. And I know um, he's, you know, incrementally he's in your business every single day in a good way and, and a mentor. Anybody else you want to give a shout out to along the way? I mean, that's been your backbone, uh, high fives you, let you cry on their shoulder. Uh, well, you know the answer. I mean, you know it's Doris. Okay. Sorry. You know it's Doris. So, uh, you know, it's just uh, – our concept is a family concept period. Um, uh, you know, I, I think, I think everywhere, I I don't know if we were on the air or not. Um, when I said this earlier, you know, I've been through a lot, uh, worked at different concepts, done different things, uh, different styles of food, different people have come in and out of my life. Uh, you know, things like that, but I, I don't think, you know, there's nothing I would change. There's nothing I would say, you know, I would pick this one piece out and say, God, if I could, you know, if I could do that differently, if I could, you know, I, 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 I stopped playing football my, my junior year. I, you know, and, and was able to focus more on school. So I graduated in four, mm-hmm. you know, not a lot of my friends or contemporaries can say that. Um, you know, I went to go work for Pappas and I worked too much probably. And, um, you know, it affected, it affected, you know, the home relationships and, um, you know, but would I, would I, would I change that for where I am now? You know, I, I don't, I don't think so. There's certain things, you know, you yeah. you can look back on and say you would change, but every person, you know, from from Jack Gibbons to you know different GMs that have come in and out of my life, and then even people that I've coached, that you know, I, I tell people in my company this all the time. I can open the door for you, but I won't push you through it. Yeah, and I've done that before. I've I've opened the door and I've pushed <laughs> so hard because I want to see this person be successful. Right, and they just they're just not ready. You know, and, and, um, and that failure hurt, you know, hurt me, you know, deeply, so deeply that, it, you know, I just, I got depressed about it and I'm like, well, hold on, hold on. This is not my failure. You know, this right, right. is, a, it may be a failure on, on, on recognizing something, but it's, it's, they're going to be successful somewhere else. Sure. So let them go. Do and in their own time. Yeah. Right. And you know, when I met Doris, uh, working the host stand at Tuck One, meeting the guests, working the dish machine, making the flower arrangements, picking colors, picking chairs, um, being a part of the decor at Tuck Two, um, Tuck Three, being there every day. So Tuck Three is up in Kingwood. So from our house, from what I call my bachelor pad, uh, which is like a 15 square foot, a 1500 square foot house, you know, three bedrooms, you know, had the kids every other weekend driving all the way to Kingwood. It's like a, before 99 was completed up there. That was like an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, right? <laughs> and we're doing that every day. And she was there, you know, she was right there along with me. And, um, you know, Doug and Craig coming on board. Uh, you know, I, I just, you know, going out for, for, for drinks with my dad and just bouncing. You know, how many people have the opportunity sure. to, to look at somebody who's a 
who is the CEO for 20 years, uh, has a ridiculous amount of leadership experience and sits on five boards uh, around, you know, around uh, the world, you know, from from Russia to uh, Switzerland to, wow. uh, to to Houston. You know, you're just asking somebody a question like that. Sixty five thousand employees. Yeah. You ask somebody a question that has sixty five thousand employees. Their answer is different than asking somebody a question of somebody that's got 20 employees or 40 or of 200 course. or you know, something like that. So, um, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. You know, everybody coming in and out, um, you know, it's there's a lot of, uh, you know, you and I meeting. There's a reason for that. Jeff, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, well, um, you know, we talked about Randy earlier. Uh, just uh, positive. You know what? I'll say positive people. Yeah. I'm trying to – well. I'm trying to think if there's anybody I've kind of pushed out for not necessarily being positive. I, obviously, I wouldn't say their name, but um, I just I, I like I like having positive people around me. It, it's it's uh it's done well. Well, you are what well you eat, you are what you eat, and you behave like those that you surround yourself with, right? And so um, you've obviously done a good job of vetting people. I mean, obviously that's why you're on the show with us. I mean, just, <laughs> <laughs> but but in all seriously, you know, you, you know you. To say congratulations is not enough to you because you've got a great spirit, a great soul, you got a great vibe about you, great energy. But then you know you you run a great organization, so oh, so you. good for you. Congratulations, we loved having you on the show. I want you to come back whenever you want, and next time bring Doris so you can cry on her shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. And bring the kids. She'll punch me. She would punch me. She doesn't get, <laughs> she doesn't get emotional like I do. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Listen, thank you for coming. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Glad to be here. We'll come see you soon. We'll raise a bunch of hell in the restaurant and say we, we know Paul Miller. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> it happens more than you think. <laughs> but that, that wraps up uh, Paul Miller and Great